Hopefully this is just chicken thighs. <clears throat> I ain't got no goddamn corona. <laughs> Dude, if you got corona, I got corona. I know, bro. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> How do I, I mean... This podcast gave me more than nothing. <laughs> you gave me a disease. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick, you bitch. <laughs> That's what she said. No, no. I'm going to march on. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down. Three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer Joe likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts. And you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, here we go, fans. We're back again. The Working Fans Podcast live and in Technicolor. It's myself, AJ Strangebrew. I've been in Sequestered and my co-host, Dynamite Dave, and we're going to light things up. Dave, what do you got? Uh, I got all kinds of shit, baby. I don't got the coronavirus, but I might have some other viruses. (laughs) Hey, they make pills for those too, buddy. Yeah, so be careful out there. I want to get into a topic this week. I think it is very worth talking about. Obviously, there's a lot of talk going on with empty arena stuff. Coronavirus is the big thing right now. And we're getting a lot of these shows with, uh, you know, no fans. But they're still putting out shows. And some people are mad that WrestleMania is still going on. And I get it. You know, I want to talk to you for a minute because you have a very unique insight that a lot of people don't realize. You have a very unique way of looking at wrestling. (laughs) Now, now AEW and NXT went head-to-head this week, like every week, basically. And we both knew right away, okay, AEW should, by all purposes, slaughter them in the ratings. Now, we had two different outlooks on that. We both agreed that NXT basically put on a throwaway show. I think we can agree on that. What people don't understand, though, and you can correct me on all this, you have, you wouldn't call it just a throwaway show. You, those, those video packages that WWE does that people love, and even AEW and other people, like, you do not like any of that shit. You can't stand these promotional video packages. You're not a fan of them, especially during a TV show or a pay-per-view. Uh, you don't like recaps, essentially, is what I'm getting. Uh, I, I think you're, I think you're being a little light here. You're saying I don't like them or I can't stand them. I hate them. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. To me, it's just garbage that they're throwing out there to fill a show instead of giving us wrestling. Okay. Now, the argument would be people who maybe haven't seen the stuff, they would get a recap, but you're saying figure it out, follow along, do the research, I'm guessing. Don't get me wrong. Recap shows were very important back in the 80s, 90s, 70s, when there was no way to actually see what had happened the week before. There are so many outlets now where you can actually see what has happened throughout the week, what is going on, and where we are in the world of wrestling. If you're waiting for a recap on the next week's show, you're just being lazy and you're not even a real fan. Okay, so two things, too, I would say. One, to be fair, too, but you didn't like recaps in the 90s or 80s. No, no, I hated those, too. Right, okay. You would probably not, not have been against this show being like a recap storytelling type show had you known about it ahead of time, too. No, if they had told me, hey, listen, guys, the coronavirus is out there. We're going to um, take this week off. We're just going to give you a recap. Because at that point, I could have said, okay, I'm just not going to bother watching. Right, 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 right. You know, and the thing is, basically, at the end of the day, we both know, too, we both agree with this. They probably got a show, like, dumped in their lap. I mean, fair to say, you would agree that the reason why WrestleMania is going to be two days, Saturday and Sunday, one of the reasons is they're canceling TakeOver. 
they, yeah, they could have easily just made TakeOver into two shows and did half of TakeOver last week, half of TakeOver this week, and there you go. Everything at the Performance Center. It's not like most of those wrestlers that are on NXT don't live in Florida now. Most of them live around the actual Performance Center, so there's no reason that they can't have an empty arena or even fill the arena with other wrestlers from the PC. You've got hundreds of wrestlers that are actually there training right now that are not on camera. With that. Well, I don't know if you can fill it. There might be a, uh, you might only be able to have so many of them. Yeah, but put, put 20 of them in the first, right, like, four right. rows. Yeah. What AEW did, basically. Yeah. Now, we, we agree on that. Now, but, now, again, that brings me to you again, because you have a very unique perspective, and I think it's important for people to hear this, because it's interesting, and not everybody has this. A lot of people would say, oh, man, you know, that happened to fans there, it kind of sucks, you know. It really doesn't bother you at all having an empty arena match. I couldn't care less if there's not a single person in that arena. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't beat off that ambience as a as a viewer. I don't care. I literally tune in for wrestling. Yeah, I get it. That's good. That's a very extreme way, I would say, of looking at it. I'd be interested in people who are remotely... I'd, I'd love to hear if anyone, you know, shares that opinion. You know, feel free to treat it. Uh, tweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it right. <laughs> Go ahead. It's like your Edgar Allan poll. Yeah, all right. Nice <laughs> call back. <laughs> yeah, I'd be very interested. So anyway, that's something me and you have always talked about. We've always had these different, unique uh, insights of things. Well, to go to the go back to what you're talking about, when we went to Bloodsport 2, to me, Bloodsport 2 would be better with less fans. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. It would be more of a, a different kind of look for something like that. That's a different feel, too, though. But, but I think that it would give it more of that feel. This, Like, what was your favorite match last week? Not this week that just happened, but last week when they first did the empty arenas. What was your favorite match out of all the matches that they had? Well, the one I didn't see Cesaro Bryant. Oh, right. see, you didn't see that. And see, that's the one that I was going to point to. To yeah. me, that match shows exactly what you can do in an empty arena. This is a chance for them to really focus on the ability of these wrestlers to put on a match instead of focusing on the pageantry. But I will say this, and you wouldn't enjoy it. It's not really a thing with a crowd, but I did enjoy Humberto and, uh, I'm sorry, Rey Mysterio. Was it, no, who, who was the Luchador match? Was it Humberto and... I think no, it was, was no, no, it was Rey. It was Ray and yeah. Andrade. Yeah, Andrade. And they, no, they put on a hell of a match, and they did that with no crowd. So right. once again, it showed how good they can actually be in wrestling. Now, you'll notice that they didn't put on, like, the Street Profits. They didn't put on these ones that literally feed off of the crowd in order to make their gimmicks work. Look at the ladies wrestlers. Who came out and wrestled? You brought out four people that can actually wrestle in Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry, the Goddess. <laughs> I don't want to mess that one up. Nikki Cross, Bailey, and Sasha Bank. Once again, four women that can really go in the ring. I mean, I could definitely tell you some people that cut the promos of the week. We talked about this off before recording, but was to me was the top three I could tell you right now. Bray Wyatt, Edge, Cody. All from three different shows, but they all killed it this week. Very, very tough to try to pick a winner between those three, too. I know you and I agree on this one. We talked about it. Cody really stole the show. Yeah. But Edge showed why we need him back in wrestling. And yeah. Bray Wyatt showed why he should be the flagship of the WWE right now. Yeah, if Edge could go, like I don't know what kind of schedule that man can actually do right now. But in terms of chops and presence... He's already showing like he's still near the top of like having a presence and just being able to talk. Well, him uh, and Cody did the same thing. They did that same interview that we enjoy when they stare into the camera and it's like they're looking into your soul. We have had this happen to us a few times with Ric Flair. We've had it happen when Mick Foley was punching himself in the head, staring into the camera. When people look intensely, Jake Roberts is a master at that. Looking into the camera, and it's like he's talking directly to you. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Somebody brought up a great point about that promo with Edge, like with Randy Orton, where he's talking about him and Foley, and uh, Orton and Foley, basically them learning from Foley and Foley trying to teach them. And he said the one difference was that he learned grit, and Randy was a spoiled brat. And when you think about it, like we were talking about this today, me and uh, Steve from Frito uh, out there, and he was saying that, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, how good Orton's been before all this happened. And it's just like Orton's just kind of lazy at times, almost like he doesn't care. But when he wants to turn it on, he can turn it on. And I thought, if you think about that, we all kind of have that impression of Randy. 
And that really says a lot to like what Edge said. He was talking about Orton being kind of a spoiled brat and that being the real difference. You kind of feel there's an element of truth to that. Like Edge probably is the gritty one, where Orton is the one who can just easily do all this stuff, but he doesn't always like throw. Well, Orton takes off. time off not to refresh his character. He takes time off just because he wants time off. It's true. He's probably takes. You're right. Other than like Undertaker, who would take time off to refresh his character back in the day before he became a beat up. No, I'm not going to call it a old man. I'm not going to insult him. <laughs> you might not, but AJ Styles is telling the truth. There's an element of truth for that, too. Absolutely. Yeah, there is. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm not going to disrespect the dead man, but I mean, yeah, there is an element of truth that he's a beat-up veteran, and boy, wouldn't it have been nice if he just retired after he lost to Roman, left his hats and jacket in the ring, and that would have been a good moment. But now he keeps coming back. You know? Yeah, he had the perfect goodbye. <laughs> One of the funny little side note here, I get your opinion on this. ESPN Plus app today just announced to me that tomorrow is all-day UFC day. It's like a marathon. And then Sunday, they're airing WrestleMania 30. Oh, wow. And, and all I can think of is, it's kind of funny when mainstream sports is on the sidelines, <laughs> where they end up getting some of their material and one of their ways to fill time. Well, it shows you who's going to draw more, because they could easily go back and play the hits from Major League Baseball, sure. play old basketball games, but you know what? Three people in Denver will tune in. We're, uh, we're, you're not a fan of going back to watch old wrestling, because you view it more as a sport, and that's where a lot of people, would. and you're right, like in that sense, because now actual sport fans aren't going to go back and do that. But you know, much as like, you're not that way, there is a large group of wrestling fans who go like, oh, WrestleMania 30's on, I'll go watch that. Now, now wait a minute, now, because I do like watching old wrestling, do not... Uh, well, oh, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> you like watching old wrestling that you and A, a would have forgot about, haven't seen in a very, very long time, or stuff you've never seen. Yeah, because I probably watch more um, Florida Championship Wrestling, more Southwest Championship Wrestling, and stuff like that, than most people out on the planet right now, to be honest with you. Right, and, and that, but it's because it's a refresher. Last, and that's in the last couple years. Yeah. So yeah. so it's incredible that I'm that, because I do love old wrestling. Correct. I just like old wrestling that's going to tell me a story and that's going to be new to me again. I don't well, want to watch something like that's stuff in my memory. Historical preference, not stuff you've seen, not stuff from the last couple months. Exactly. That's fair, and it's interesting. Just so just know out there, fans, those, uh, those video packages that you might rave about that AEW or WWE or any wrestle company might do, you're wasting your time if you're going to preach to AJ. If he's already seen it, he don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. if you come to me and you're trying to talk to me about that, uh, you might as well just go talk to your wall. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up. We don't have a lot of time this week, but is there anything else you want to talk about? We got a few minutes. I, I do. There is some stuff that I want to talk about. One thing is kudos to uh, AEW. Yeah, let's talk about AEW. Sorry, go ahead. I think it's very important that we give credit to them. They had a big week this week. They could have easily had shelved some of those angles and said, hey, we'll wait until we can get this going again and we're going to rest on our laurels. We'll put some wrestling out there. People will tune in. And they didn't. They threw out three big angles in one week that really kept us going. And I know a lot of people are going to go, no, I saw two angles. I didn't see the other angle. To me, the third angle is Adam Page still barely hanging on with the elite and to me that's an important angle because without that going on I don't think you have the emotional investment quite as much in the match before they show Matt Hardy you know and even though like too Matt Hardy by the way everybody is you know we're top of that for us the steel the, the star of the show is Brody Lee I would say fair Oh, absolutely. Brody Lee was a big-time star stealing the show there. Uh, this is a guy who has the opportunity now to show what he's got. I think a lot of us who are fans of his believe that he is capable of someday being a world champion. He speaks better on the mic than people give him credit for. And his in-work rate is absolutely incredible. I love the fact that if you notice when they were attacking Christopher Daniels, he teased like he was going to do Sister Abigail. Yes. And then went and did his clothesline. I, I thought that was a great shot across the bow there. Good shit overall. One thing, Dave, one thing we didn't mention, and I haven't really heard anybody mention, okay. was the honesty with Cody. Cody took the, a moment there to talk about him and Kenny Omega's relationship. 
And I think it's clear that they are not best of friends off of the wrestling spectrum. I think they have some disagreements on how things are supposed to go. And I think that there's a certain amount of professional, uh, I don't want to say jealousy, but a professional like um, challenge between the two of them. That, and I don't think a lot of people have thought about that because it hasn't been something that's played on AEW TV. But even if you notice in like the Being Elite and stuff like that, very seldom do Kenny and Cody involved in the same segments. I'm sure they have different philosophies on wrestling. Very sure of that. Kenny's a big fan of intergender matches and pushing with new things. And I think Cody's more of a traditionalist, even though Cody probably wouldn't be a traditionalist by, you know, Dusty Rhodes standards, but he's a traditionalist nonetheless. But I just think it's a relationship that was interesting to come out a little bit this week also with that. Yeah, Cody, I think Cody takes a nod to his father and maybe Terry Funk a little bit, and he introduces a lot of realism in his promos. And I think that's what makes his matches and his feuds and his angles so good. That's one thing I really like about Cody. Another thing that I kind of want to touch on this week was the ratings real quick. Just your opinion on this. Well, it was almost two to one. It was 900,000 for AEW, almost a million, and they got 500 something, the lowest NXT ever did. Not surprising. But I want to ask you, it's pretty common knowledge, pretty much the same fan base watches both these shows. NXT will get a ton of ratings a lot of time during an overrun on a normal week. Those 500,000 fans that watch WWE this week, 90% of them, is that the hardcore of fucking hardcore that I'm just not going to watch AEW when you got three fucking high angles on another show and you're basically getting a recap storytelling show on another, you're watching that? I mean, to me, it's just like... That's got to be the hardest core fans, right? Is that what that is? A lot of people are going to look at this as me picking a fight with the WWE fans. And if they do look at it that way, by all means, come get me. <laughs> um, and I think we can agree that WWE fans in general are more ignorant than other wrestling fans. And yeah. they have a tendency through the years of, I'm only going to watch the WWE. I don't give a fuck about anything else. The fans that come to NXT from other things have a tendency of being more open and willing to watch more different styles of wrestling. And it makes a big difference. By the way, you know GCW actually, and this is off topic, speaking of other wrestling fans, GCW actually ran their um, acid night, uh, their tournament two nights. So they actually ran in front of fans this week. Alright, Joe's setting up here and he's coming in now, so we're going to get ready to record and go over some... It's the Working Fans Podcast. Have a good one. Hey, what's going on everybody? It's Danny Limelight, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. On it, it's the Working Fans Podcast here. We got Joe, myself, Dave, and we got wrestler, actor, stuntman, and he's got a few other credits I'm going to get into, Mr. Danny Limelight. Danny, how I are you, sir? What's going on, baby? Man, you have quite the interesting resume when I was looking you up, man. I'm pretty impressed. Thank you, thank you, man. I try, I try to, you know, be, I try to be very diverse, you know, Swiss Army night. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. So that, that brings me to my first question then. You were also a Marine. Are you or were a Marine? What's your status? So I was in the Marine for 10 years. I got out of the service in October. So, But, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine is what they say. But, yeah, no longer serving. I did 10 years active duty. I joined when I was 17, born on 18. And, yeah, that was where my life started, really. What got you into the Marines? Uh, I was a shithead, so I didn't really have much going for me. I had got out of two high schools, and I had to go finish my senior year in the school way further than where I was raised at. And I was playing baseball throughout my high school years and as a child, so I wanted, you know, I wanted to be shortstop for the New York Yankees, you know, and when everything happened where I started in school, I couldn't play baseball my, my senior year. It kind of threw off my plan, and I had nothing else going for me really, and I, a friend of mine kind of tricked me into joining the Marine Corps. He, uh, he told me that if, if I went with him to this recruiting station, he'll buy me pizza. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, bro. I'm down for a slice of pizza. So I went with him, and there was a recruiter there. He started talking to me about the Marine Corps. And I was like, um, I don't know anything about the Marine Corps. All I know is I say Call of Duty, and the Marines are in the video game. <laughs> and I didn't know any difference between, like, the Army or the Navy or the Marines. Like, I thought it was all the same, you know? And I think a lot of people look at it that way. So basically, this like Marine Corps recruiter, he pretty much told me that I couldn't be a Marine, that I wasn't fit enough to be a Marine, and all this stuff. And I basically just took it as a challenge, and he told me he wouldn't enlist me. And so I walked up the office, and I went to go walk across the street to the Army recruiting station. And this, this Army guy, this soldier, you know, he came out of the office, and he, he was smoking a cigarette, and he had his cell phone in his hand. 
And I looked at him and I looked back at the Marine who was looking, you know, all sharp in his uniform and it just looked professionalism level just was like so different. And I just turned back around, I walked back into the recruiting station and I said, no, I'm gonna join the Marine And the next day my, my mom came to the office with my dad. They signed the paperwork because I was seventeen, I needed their finisher. And yeah, six months after that, I was in South Carolina becoming a Marine. Uh, you're a busy guy, man. Because you were, you were training somewhere around this time to be a wrestler. What? How'd you break in? But also, what got you into wrestling? Okay, so I've always been like a wrestler fan. I want to say always. I started watching wrestling, and I stopped watching it. You know, right after Eddie Burrow had passed away, hmm. and you know, I was just a fan of it. It was something that I, I had always wanted to do, but it was like you don't know how to get into something like that. And so I, you know, I was in the Marines. And I went to Target with my daughter. She was just born. She was like maybe four or five months. And she was sitting in the car at Target. And she like, we had stopped by like a Blu-ray section. Because at the time I was collecting like all these Blu-rays and stuff. And I was looking for a Blu-ray. And like, she like smacked the the shelf. And like a bunch of Blu-rays fell down. And I, I, mean, I don't know how she had this much strength before she was five months or whatever. But <laughs> I, I ended up walking over towards... To pick up the, the Blu-ray she knocked out and the, and the Rock's Blu-ray, like the Rock's top 10 greatest matches of all time or something like that was, was one of the Blu-rays that was on the floor. And I was like, eh, you know, I felt a little nostalgic. I hadn't watched wrestling in years since I had joined the Marine Corps. And this was about 2014, actually. And I picked up the Blu-ray. It was like 10.99. I bought it. I went home and I put my daughter in like a little boppy. Like a little seat for baby. And I put the Blu-ray on it. I just sat there. I think my ex-wife at the time, her mom, she was like cooking dinner or something like that. And me and my daughter were just watching The Rock, you know, wrestle like Mankind or wrestle like Triple H. Mm. I think it was like his WrestleMania 17 match with Austin. Like all these matches were on, on the Blu-ray. And I was like, man, yeah, that's pretty cool. And like my, my daughter's mom, she was like, I never seen wrestling. And, you know, I was like, really? I was like, all right, cool. So like I looked up online to see like when the next time WWE was going to be in town. Cause I thought it'd be like a cool date just to go, you know, watch watch them, you know? Yeah. And when I pulled up, I, you know, I was watching the show and a buddy that I was in the Marine Corps with, he ran into me and at the time I was a sergeant. And he was like, sergeant, I didn't know you like wrestling. And I was like, man, I used to watch it when I was younger and I kind of, you know, hadn't watched it in a very long time, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, I'm trained to be a wrestler. And at first, like, I oh. laughed because I thought it was I thought it was funny because, like, you know, you don't really hear that. You know, I'm saying to be a pro wrestler, you know, people think wrestling, they they think, you know, collegiate level, they think Olympic wrestling, you know, you know, weight division. And when I've known about wrestling, but I never knew what independent wrestling was. All I knew was WWE, WCW, and TNA. You know, I didn't know about New Japan. I didn't know about Ring of Honor or the independent wrestling companies out there either. I didn't know any of that stuff. Right. So he told me he was training. I laughed. And, you know, he said, no, you know, at the time, I was a first-degree black belt martial arts instructor in the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. And so I was teaching the martial arts program, basically like close quarter combat stuff. And he said, you know, you, know, you do this and that, and you're very fit, and you should come check it out, man. I think you'd be, I think you'd be good, you know? He gave me the address, I laughed, and I ended up showing up like two weeks later to the address he gave me just out of like the whim. And this, this company, uh, which I'm not going to mention because I just don't associate with them no more, and I don't want to give them any kind of clout off my name. But... They were there training, and there was a bunch of people in the ring, and some of them were fat and skinny and all shapes and sizes, and there was like maybe one or two athletic people there, and it was just like a weird group of people training, and I, and I was like, man, if these guys could do it, like, I could do it for sure. And I talked to the promoter, just kind of a douchebag who didn't think that I could do it, and I was like, look, I don't, are you going to take my money pretty much? Like, either let me train or not. And he said, yeah, and then three months into training, I made my debut. And this was in October of 2014. I made my debut, and, and the rest was pretty much history from there. You know, I I started wrestling in, in August of I started training in August of 2014. Had my first you know debut in October of 2014, and then I went on to wrestle for about two and a half years. Then I had to take a break because I was still in the Marine Corps, and I got selected to go be a drill instructor. And so I went to go make Marines and it was San Diego and I had no time. I didn't have time for my daughter. I went to go divorce, a bunch of stuff like that had happened. And then when I got done being a drone instructor, I just thought, you know what? Like, I want to go back into wrestling. I had missed it. I seen a lot of my friends getting signed and doing big things. And I was like, man, I just want to be a part of that again. So 
Man, I got back into the ring in January of 2018 after stepping away at the end of 2016. So about two years that I stepped away. And, yeah, man, I kicked back off January 2018. I was training with, you know, Lil Chono and Mariachi Loco. Hmm. And I was... I was training with, you know, I had made a couple of stops at a couple of other little spots around the area. I was Santino a few times with Dungeon James, training with those Luchas. And then, you know, Santino camp. I mean, I started training with Jake Atlas. He would come train with me. I started training with Jungle Boy. Oh, yeah. Like, little one-on-one lessons. You know, one, not, not lessons, I was say that. One-on-one training session, you know, with Jake and, and Jungle Boy. I started training with Luchasaurus. And then I started training at Burbank, and I met... You know, this guy named Jim Logan, he was uh, a wrestler way back when who had a ring in his prop because he did, like, props for movies and stuff like that. And, and I had already had just got his son and, and acting and stuff, so that's how we kind of connected. And when he had a wrestling ring, he was looking for wrestlers. I started going there to train because it was, like, 10 minutes from my house. And that's where I met Damian Sandow and John Morrison. And John really helped me step my game up and... And it was because of meeting John that, you know, he put me, you know, he put me in his movie. I got to go do the movie with him in Florida at the speed of time, which is coming out soon. Where I got to do stunts, all the fighting and stuff like that for that movie. And, yeah, man, it's been like a roller coaster the last two years. Yeah, it sounds it, man. Super busy. You're a really good talker. Have you always been good with the gift of gab, or is that something you worked at? I think, <laughs> I think that, that's, a, that's a Brooklyn thing, you know. Okay. Growing up. My dad, he really, my dad had a mouthpiece on him always, and I, I kind of got my teeth smart and the way I talked to my dad, and, and just started trying to bullshit, and that's my <laughs> way to life. Life as a kid, talking my way out of detention or talking my way out of whatever. And I watched a lot of, you know, The Rock is my favorite wrestler. Yeah. And, and maybe he's not the best wrestler in everybody else's time, but to me, like, The Rock had everything. So he, he had the cool music, he had the, the catchphrase, he was doing the microphone, he had entertaining moves in the ring, even though they were cool stuff, like, the matches were, were entertaining to me. Yeah. And, you know, The Rock was just, you know, then he started doing Hollywood, and that's something that I, I had always wanted to do, be an actor and, and, and do stunts and stuff like that. And, and so, like, I watched a lot of The Rock, so the talking things, The Rock, you know, I liked boxing, and my favorite boxing was Mayweather, he had the bump on his too. like, New York rappers talk a lot of shit, so I kind of just, like, you know, it's a New York thing, I would say. I gotcha. I actually got to step in with a quick question since you mentioned New York rappers. Who's your favorite rapper that comes from the New York area? Couldn't it be Jay-Z. No, king of it. <laughs> yeah, Jay-Z's my favorite rapper. I mean, I like, I like as, as when I was younger, I liked 50 Cent. I liked, I liked 50 Cent's music. Uh, it was like real gangster rap, and, and it was just, and when I was, in sixth, seventh grade, fifth grade, like fifth grade was, and he just, his, you know, his, his album, you ever smack trying was like the album. You can lift it from start to finish. And so I, I listened to a lot of him, but as I started getting a little bit older, I started listening to a lot more Jay Z because I like that like, he was a businessman. I like how he handled business and his song, you know, he's a legend himself. So, so yeah, I think, I think if you listen to my iPod or my playlist, maybe the iPod, I don't think anybody has an iPod anymore. <laughs> it's, 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 if you listen to my playlist, it's like Jay Z, Biggie Small, Fifty Cent, and there's a lot of like a lot of other new rappers and stuff like that. But it's mostly like Jay Z. I have a lot of Drake. I have a lot of you know Spanish music. I like Spanish music. Mark Anthony's my favorite. So I mix it up. I listen to all types of music, you know. And then when I put my daughters in the car, you know, we listen to the Disney playlist, you know, High School Musicals and Frozen songs. All and then she goes like. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Jay-Z is something else because, I mean, like he said, he's not just a businessman. He's a business, man. And he's like, a man of his business, man. <laughs> and, like, just hearing him over the years, like, his newest record, the 444, it was just another side of him. And you get to see that this guy is just super multifaceted. You I just, know what's crazy? I've, I've been to two concerts my whole life. I went to Little Wayne Carter Three Tour in 2009, right before I went to boot camp. And the, the second con- and only other concert I went to was Jay Z's 444 Tour hmm. in 2017, and that concert was bananas. Wow. Yeah, just when you mentioned New York hip-hop, I had to jump in there because I'm a fan of all that 90s era stuff, but even a newer group like Flatbush Zombies got me, so I just had to get in that okay. question about hip-hop real quick. Definitely, definitely, man. You know, I like New York music is great. I like Fabulous. I like Nas, you know, Jada Kid, like, you know, Dipset back in the day with like a cool group to do. 
Oh, God, I was just listening to Cameron Sports, Drugs, and Entertainment yesterday, and just that older Dipset Cameron stuff. I can't get enough of the beats, the rhymes. They're just the best. His beats has always been great, man. You know what's funny is Joe went off on the hip-hop, and my mind went into boxing because when I grew up, I'm, I'm a little older, and like you're a Mayweather guy. I was actually grew up, I'm 43. I grew up on the Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagra, and you know, like that kind of era of boxing. And so, like, I was going to ask you, do you still keep up with boxing? Because I had dipped away I and I started getting into it again right around a couple years ago during the first Wilder Fury fight really captured my attention. Okay. Well, when I was growing up, my dad always watched boxing. We used to go to my aunt's house all the time for the boxing fight. And my dad was a huge Phoenix Center Oh, yeah. You know, the Puerto Rican guy, Deep Oakland dad. We watched a lot of him. We watched a lot of Tyson. Mm-hmm. And my dad started, you know, getting me into boxing when I was younger and stuff like that. And, and you know, Mayweather was my guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was more like the pretty, the pretty boy Floyd era. And he was actually, you know, oh yeah, knocking, like, fighting. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I have no, I have a lot. If anything, I have more respect for Mayweather now. He owns the game. He knows how to do it. Right. He knows how to win. And, and, and people don't like to don't like to fight, but he, he does it to make money, and, and that's what he's great at. But I started watching it a lot more because of Mayweather. I liked Miguel Cotto or Miguel Coto because he was Puerto Rican, you know. And and, and even Danny Garcia, I don't know if you know him. Danny Swift Garcia, I just watched the fight with him. Yeah, yeah. Course, that boy Swift from, Swift from Philly was another guy I like to watch. But uh, if you bring up Tyson Fury, I had the chance to meet him in October. When, when I was doing my little WWE show work or whatever, we got to, to to chat real quick with the Gypsy King, got a cool little picture with him. He's great people, man. And, and honestly, I know a lot of people have a lot of controversial opinions over this last fight, but I think I think you know I think I think he got him, man. I think I think he did, and and I think he's one of the best heavyweight boxers out there. He's like, and he's a big dude too, man. He's big. I, it it amazed, like that fight surprised me. <laughs> The way he brought it, like he said he was going to do it, and I just didn't think. I thought, no way, not the way Wilder knocks people out. But no, he did. Yeah, he leaned yeah. on him, and I was like, holy shit! And, and people were sleeping on him because of of you know him doing a little WWE fit and stuff like that, and, and they were like, oh, he ain't training as hard as Wilder because he's playing with WWE. But that man came in there and came in ready. Jumping around a little bit. That was something I had thought about. You said WWE. You had a couple cameos with the WWE, right? I have, yeah. In June was my first time doing any kind of work with them, and I had a tryout match there in Texas, and I got to, you know, bring Alexa Bliss coffee <laughs> on her her little Moment of Bliss show. She's a great person, by the way. I, I love that she's She awesome. seems like a sweetheart, yeah. She was a sweetheart. And then it's funny, because, like, we chopped it up again this last time that I was there in October, so it was, like, a few months after, and, like, she still remembered me. Like, it was, it was just, she's just great people. So that same night that I brought Alexa Bliss coffee, I ended up being Goldberg security guard too. Oh, so, <laughs> kid. <laughs> that was like, I think that was like my favorite one. I mean, I had fun with the moment of bliss because a lot, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of TV time and, it, you know, it was cool to, you know, to bring up the coffee. But, but the nostalgia of walking Goldberg out after watching him as a kid was like, to me, that was sick. Did you do the Congo line too or no? I did do the Congo line. Oh, yeah, okay. I did the Congo line for No Way Jose. No Way Jose. No way, Jose. No way, Jose. And recently I was the Mark fan of the crowd for Shane versus Kevin Owens when Kevin Owens played Shane Packin. They had had his place there with the ladder. So they get the ladder like broke and stuff like that. No fans got hit with it, but they also told us to like mark out for like things. And it was like, it was like the 20th anniversary of SmackDown. Like he like the frog splash on the ladder. I'm like there marking out and like the camera got me like going crazy, so... Now, what, I'll back up a little bit because I meant to ask you this. What got you into being a black belt, like in karate? How did that come about? Well, I was always a boxer, and I never I never had, like, any, like, brown game. I never had any, like, submission work or anything like that. But with the Marine Corps, they have martial arts, so I use that as a tool. So if I'm in here, I might as well take advantage of the craft to offer. So I went to the martial arts program, became a black belt, and then I went to the instructor's course to be able to, be able to teach and train. And I did that, and I trained 632 Marines in the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program, wow. just helping them advance in their belt levels and stuff like that. And that kind of just something that I did to, like, just be more ready for whatever, you know, their fight. And, and I think that when I first started wrestling, I wanted to do all the crazy, flippy, 
flying stuff because I'm super athletic. I do parkour and all that stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, we're throwing my body around because I trust them way too much. But lately, I've, I've been just incorporating like what I really am, which is a striker, the grappler, and I've like, been choking people out and kicking people in the face. And find that's a lot easier on my body too, you know? That background, is that how you and Douglas James kind of clicked a little bit, too? Because he had recommended you, and he obviously has that fighting yeah, background, so too. Yeah, DJ, DJ's my roommate, actually. Okay. He he and I met in twenty in the summer of 2015, we met. And we was in a triple threat match at the pre-show. So, like, the pre-show, like, the match before the show supposedly actually starts at an FCW show in San Diego. That company's no longer around, but that's where we met. We had a triple threat match, and... Like, I knew he was good from the beginning. He was, like, it was, like, one of his first matches, too. And I was still, like, I'm on my first year of wrestling. And from there, we wrestled again one-on-one in October. And, like, we kicked off this little rivalry thing because we were both, like, the hottest up-and-comers that year for the rookie. We were both, like, rookie of the year candidates, him and I. And we just started wrestling everywhere. And we got into this amazing feud down in San Diego. And Conan had came to the show and, and seen me and Doug wrestling the two out of three falls match. It was insane. Actually, if you look that match up on YouTube, it's like Daniel Lamar versus Douglas James, two out of three falls. It was so long ago, and, and me, him and I were so, so young, and it just had just started. But the match was just so dope. And, like, the crowd was insane. And Conan saw the match. And he brought me and Doug to wrestle in Mexico one-on-one at the Fast. And this only made I feel one of the debut. From the 5,000 people at the crash. And I think the main event for that car was like Rey Mysterio when he was still in the Indies and, and Lince Dorado was there and it was like, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix and Ray Horrid and like, whoa, like, here we are. Like a year and a half in and we were like opening the show in front of 5,000 people. I had never wrestled in front of that many people in my life and it was just an experience. And then from there, me and DJ, we just clicked, became boys and we started wrestling with each other a lot more and a lot of other places. You know, had a few matches at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and, and it just kept going and going. And like last year, him and I got into like a little rivalry where we just we wrestled, I think, three more times last year or something like that. And we moved in with each other. Last summer, I had got into like uh, a shitty situation. I was like left homeless and stuff like that. My, my, I was engaged, but I was going to marry the love of my life. And she like ghosted me. I had nowhere to go. I had the house that I owned. I was renting it off to a friend because I was in the process of buying another house for, for her and I and I just got screwed out of that and Doug opened up his house to me and I slept on his couch for a week. We both left to New York for an Evolve tryout. We wrestled in New York at another company. We came back and we were like, dude, let's just get an apartment together and from there we, we got an apartment in Hollywood. So we've been pretty much roommates for like almost a year now. Oh man, that's cool. The, uh, you guys got each other's back like that. Championship wrestling from Hollywood, right here, they really help kind of prepare you for like TV matches and stuff like that. So for me, I love, 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 love wrestling at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I'm super grateful for, you know, David Marquez and, and Yuma and Angelo and Nick and, and, and everybody that was involved back there that was like, let's bring Danny in. And and I made my debut in 2015 with Angelo from Hollywood. So, like, I was a year in, and they had hit me up, and they were like, we want to bring you as a tag team. And we want you to be Puerto Ricans from New York. And we want you to talk a lot of crap and have a lot of fun, and I was all for it. I've been wrestling with Championship Wrestling from Hollywood ever since, and, and I love it there, man. And the, the production, the TV time, just being able to learn how to work the cameras and... and, and run the ropes the right way and where to do your moves so that the camera picks it up and, and the facials and being able to cut a promo on the spot, being able to talk on the mic in front of a live audience, in front of a live crowd, stuff like that. Like, that's what championship wrestling is all crazy for. And some people, some people like say negative things about it, but for me, like, I have nothing but positive things to say because when I go wrestling at other places and there's like cameras and they're doing like live streams to Twitch or doing live streams to Fight TV or whatever, like, some of these guys, you know, on the Indies, they don't know how to, like, work a camera, you know? Like, they don't know how to run hard yet. And, like, I'm trying to, you know, it's like, wow, like, it makes me feel, like, light years ahead of people because of the training that I got from, like, Yuma and Joey Ryan and, and Dave Marquez and, and Peter Avalon and, and, you know, all the other guys that are back there running things. Like, it, 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 it's very uh, beneficial, especially for somebody who's as young as I was when I started wrestling there to learn the right way how to work, you know, how to how to use the cameras and, and stuff like that because that's your money, man. Like, 
Yeah, there may be 50, 100 people, 200 people, 2,000 people in attendance, but, you know, there's way more of that watching at home, hopefully, you know, and that, that's what you got, that's what you're making money at. I'm forever grateful for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Absolutely. You've done some stunt work, but you were also on your uh, IMD page. I saw that you were, uh, you wrote and produced something too. Did I see that right? Yeah. So, ever since I was younger, I had a creative mind. I'm, 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 I've always been wanting to, to do more. I never closed any door. It's something that I was always good at without sharing it was right. And so recently, in November, I, well, in the end of October, I started writing a project called TNT, which was about, it was a boxing film, and it was, but it was led by female. And every female in the movie is a stunt woman or an action actress, and they they act and they do stunts. And it's, it's they're all part of the, the team of girls that I trained with, stunts and stuff like that. So I wrote this movie about a, a sister and a brother who lost their father, and this is a boxer, but she's a hothead. And her older brother is pretty much trying to, like, keep her straight and narrow and they get into some things and I wrote this I, I sent the script to everybody that I wanted to be a part of it they read it they were down and two of my best friends uh, Juliana Montalve and Ruth Marie Conde like I had them in the film and my other home girl Lynn they starred in it and I went out there I played the brother my daughter was in the movie too and and I had a, pretty much everybody that I trained with part of this film and it went really well and it's actually in post production right now it's a short film it's about 15 minutes long and it's about family, it's about fighting, it's about honor. And it's cool because I was the stunt coordinator. I coordinated all the stunts, I coordinated all the fights. And we had some people come out and shoot it. And yeah, it went, it went well for my first project. I learned a lot. Everybody involved learned a lot. And I think that was something that I'm forever grateful for. I actually just finished writing another project right now. It's about the coronavirus. And, hmm. you know, I got actor Saeed Bashrea, who was an Iron Man. Don't mess with the don't. He's basically the Egyptian actor that gets typecasted as all the. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <clears throat> the guy that. He's the guy that pretty much kidnapped Robert Downey Jr. and put him in the cage. Right. He's a good friend of mine, and he's going to be in the movie. And, That's awesome. You know, I've been working and talking a lot with Doug Jones, another friend of mine. And, uh, you know, Doug Jones from Hellboy and Shape oh. of Water and, and yeah. Hocus Pocus and all those movies. Absolutely. A lot of people. And, and so there's this, this coronavirus movie that I. That I wrote, we're gonna be shooting it soon, and hopefully, depending on how this goes, and uh, yeah, it should be another short film, maybe maybe ten minutes long. And just, I'm just trying to put a lot of content out there. I do a lot of short little fight scenes. I come up with the choreography. Me and my friends go out. We come up with a little story, and we go shoot it, and we fight, and we just have fun. And my daughter, she's acting too now. Oh man! And uh, a commercial just came out on TV yesterday. Just aired on national TV. It's a it's a general Mills cereal commercial and, and my wife is not on all that. There you go. <laughs> it's a general Mills cereal commercial with trolls and yeah, they they're promoting the new trolls movie that's coming out and she's like in the shopping cart and they all transform into like little trolls and, and promote the movie. So my daughter's doing that and she's going on through a lot of auditions. She has like three or four auditions a week. She's like killing oh. it right now. Wow. Yeah, she oh, she's yeah. doing a lot more than me. Well, you guys are definitely staying active during this time. So if they're canceling shows, you guys yeah. aren't gonna like waste time. You'll do other things. Yeah, we can't, man. We can't let this thing keep us down. We got to be safe, be smart, be healthy. But but if we can't be out there doing stuff, we need to be writing project after project, or training or, or doing push-ups in the house, or doing her math homework and stuff like that, and yeah. watching Disney movies, and just, and just you know. Just, God, I saw a video with you on YouTube where you said you try and make the most of out of all of the 24 hours in a day. And you're not kidding. If one thing's not going on, you're on to the next and just keeping busy, which is good to hear. Yeah, that was, I think that was the video that the Marine Corps did on me. Yeah, definitely. Marine, it's like, yep. It's funny because I've been talking to people that like don't have anything to do, but like my other line of work, I deliver bread, and stores are empty right now, so I'm constantly busy with that. And the other thing I'm doing is podcasting, and I got a ton of wrestlers that are willing to do interviews now because no one's doing anything. So it's like I've never been busier myself, you know? Yeah, man. Everybody's like, well, we can't, we can't like do wrestling. Might as well do a podcast, promote ourselves some kind of way, do some kind of contact. Sure. Content. Excuse me. I'm also I'm also in school right now, so it's like I'm in oh, active geez. school and. 
we have like since the schools are shut down, we got to do like live video chat with the teachers and stuff like that. And, yeah, man, it never ends. It's funny because everybody here is working from school when you're in college and they're like, oh, that must be awesome. But you're like, no, because I have to fit it into my personal time and it can go even longer than a classroom because you really want to get that information the right way. Yep, and it's different. It's not like I'm doing math or English or like post studies. Like it's acting. So now we have to try to act over like the camera and our theme partners are like, somewhere else and it's just like it's not the same but we're trying you know yeah you gotta make the best the situation gives you yep all right all right danny um so obviously we learned today is you are a very goal-oriented person you're very versatile final question in the meantime what are your uh future goals that you want to achieve this year maybe well originally when this year came into it i wanted it to be you know i had a i had a 2020 vision and i just really wanted to get out there more wrestle for a lot of new different companies promote myself more you know and, and hopefully find a contract with, with a major company you know and and with this whole pandemic happening it's probably going to set some of that stuff back but as of right now i'm going to keep pushing forward i want to you know book another commercial or two shoot this movie Help my daughter get into a couple more commercials, and you know I wanted to sign to a talent agency. We both got signed, so I knocked those I knocked those uh, goals off my list, and just gotta keep pushing forward. Always, always thinking of new ways, new things, weight goals, health goals, diet goals, stuff like that. I'm just always trying to when I, once I complete something, just push to the next one. So. Awesome, Amazing. man. Thank you. You were a fantastic interview. That was great, man. Thank you ever you so need anything to promote? You call us anytime. No worries, man. Yeah, um, can I just plug my social media real quick if you don't oh, mind? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant to do that. Go ahead. You're so good. We forgot about it. Go ahead, man. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everybody to follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Danny Limelight. D-A-N-N-Y-L-I-N-E-L-I-G-H-T. And if you want to see what my daughter's doing, she's killing it. Hers is at Leafy Rivera. L-E-E-S-I-R-I-B-E-R-A. All right, man. Follow me on Instagram and uh, All right. <laughs> That's awesome, man. All right, what a pro. <laughs> yeah, great. thank you for your time and thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, both of you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, you guys have a great night. Bye. Bye. This is the ultimate hybrid wrestler, MLW's Douglas James, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. This is now. Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe, and today we have MLW superstar, Mr. Douglas James. Douglas, how are you, friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very good, very good. Excellent. We're big fans of MLW here, man. The yeah. first time I saw you, I think, though, was like PCW Ultra, and I was just kind of curious, like, what got you into wrestling, and what got you kind of started? So, I've been a wrestling fan you know, since I was a really little kid and I grew up, you know, loving it. I used to go to, you know, all the events that were, I'm from New Jersey, so I used to go to all the local events, you know, all the laws and the guys who come out and they get tickets. But I love going to sports, so I used to play baseball, football, soccer, you know, basketball, ice hockey. I used to like just, you know, always doing something as a little kid. And then when I was in high school, I played football and I wrestled in high school. And, you know, with that, with wrestling, I did pretty well, and I transitioned into MMA. I always wanted to be a wrestler. I always wanted to be pro wrestling. I guess for me, I just thought I was, like, I don't know, too small or didn't really uh, have the guts, really, you know, like, to, to make that first step to just do it. And I just uh, went to MMA, and, you know, I grew up in, like, junior jiu-jitsu tournaments and amateur MMA fights and pro MMA fights, and I got to move to California. And I got to the point where, like, you know, um, regional professional MMA is, is very hard, too. You get paid a lot, you know, things fall through. And I just didn't love it, and I was getting older, and now or never. And I was working on a food truck at the time, and I didn't have much money, and I was on a $2 scratch-off. I was on $200. And the $200 was the additional payment for Santino. And I found Santino's convenient. And I think I won it, like, on a Saturday... And like on Monday, I started. I was kind of, I was kind of like, I really found Santino's TV. Yeah, kind of like just jumped in, and you know, five months later, I made my debut. And wow. that's, kind of how, that's kind of how I got started. Yeah, I was a sports and big fan, and doing my 
Like that. Yo, back it up for a second too. Kind of funny you were saying there's not a lot of money on the regional MMA scene. My ex-wife's brother-in-law, Thane okay. Stimson, he did a couple MMA fights. He actually trained out in California with Team Alpha Male. He had like only about four amateur fights though, and then he had kids, and he's okay. like, I can't make this work. But yeah, yeah well, it's funny. He fought MMA. One of the guys he lost to was Rob Font. And Rob Font ended up being in the UFC, and it's like one of the, uh, I want to say he's in the top 15, top 10 bantamweights right now. And I'm like, man, if he only knew the guy he lost to was, like, super successful, I wonder if he would have, like, hung on a little longer, you know? Yeah, no, that's what it is. A lot of the, like, I mean, MMA is a little bit different, but it's pretty similar uh, to wrestling with a lot of his uh, longevity, you know? Mm. Um, fucked up with the, the, the bullshit or like, do those hard fights or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, originally MMA, I mean, it's like crazy. You have to like sell tickets, and you know, if you don't, if you don't sell enough tickets, you don't get paid. And it's the whole thing. Mm. Not, not, yeah, not into it. <laughs> <laughs> did you train jiu-jitsu with Eddie Bravo? I did. When I first started doing like MMA and all that jiu-jitsu, I started in New York and New Jersey. So my fight team out there was the AMA Fight Club, like Jim and Dan Miller with Tom and Charlie Brennan from back in the day. And so, yeah, when I moved out to California in like 2012, 13, uh, yeah, I started with Eddie, and Eddie gave me my pony boat, and I used to like compete for Eddie, and I was very much tense for a guy, and uh, Eddie's, Eddie's awesome, like, yeah, any kind of, like, negative feedback anybody has towards Eddie, like, doesn't know him, you know, mm -hmm. he's the coolest person ever, and super open-minded, especially for something like just did very welcoming, and, you know, he just wants to do it to be better, and he's more positivity, and... Oh, he's great. He's again, so. Yeah, I think Rogan was saying something about that, like, because uh, you know, obviously he's known for his conspiracy theories and stuff too. But yeah, right. I but mean, he's, he's definitely wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, like, he's a good guy. He's, yeah. like, he's not like, and yeah, I mean, I definitely think like his classes used to be like over two hours, and I definitely showed up to a class once, and he was just so high. <laughs> talking for an hour, for like an hour and a half That's on awesome. 9-11, you know, like, I mean, those things happen, but he's, he's, he's really cool, man. But, yeah, I never said that was one of the things that made him so good at jiu-jitsu, though, because he was so open-minded that he was constantly right. learning and trying new things that no one else would do. Yeah, he's, like, permanently high, you know? So, <laughs> That's yeah. great. As far as, like, in the ring, your style, is there any particular influences, whether it's MMA or pro wrestling? I would say a little bit of both. I would say a little bit of my style is like almost like a. I would imagine a lot of the you know the guys that are wrestling now have a similar mindset. But a lot of the guys, you know, I grew up uh, idolizing. And I like, and I like, I like that shooting style. The more uh, you know, grappling based or striking, hard striking based, or high intensity athletic contest. So and I was always really big Shawn Michaels fan. Shawn Michaels and Rey Mysterio were my like one and number two as a kid. You know, if I really look up to, like, I mean, a murderer, but, you know, first of all, like, Kurt Angle, those kind of guys, you know, like, you know, Perry Saturn, like, Eddie Guerrero, those, those kind of guys are guys that like uh, Daniel Bryan, you know, so I really like, yeah, that kind of more of a technical style, but I do have an MMA background, you know, I do have, you know, legit fights and tournaments and training, and so I was using that background because being different is good, and, you know, to use the best of my abilities, and, I have that ability, so, uh, yeah, so we'll do both. You know, I think that kind of works out for me. You competed in uh, no-gi tournaments as well, right? Yeah, yeah, I could be, you know, yeah, pretty consistent like, all the time, and it wasn't like the, you know, I competed in, like, world and stuff, and I won, like, the SJJIF 2013 world in Long Beach with the pyramid, and I won that. Yeah, and I just, I was, like, I was very much like a, a go-all-in kind of guy, but I love wrestling, and, yeah, probably I think the best, so... Now, you're in MLW. What would you say, you know, you're working on TV record court. Is there any particular promotions that maybe prepared you best for this before you got here? Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say maybe like two different promotions, right? So I would say one, so, so when I first started, my third match ever was at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. So it was TV. And, you know, wrestling with TV is different than, you know, wrestling with a normal independent show. Whether it's like, you know, where you are with the cameras and all those kind of, and like timing and different things. And it's a tool that not everybody, um, gets to learn. And I kind of learned that pretty quickly. Look, look, look doing that, you know, with like trial and error. I think that has helped me with MLW because I lost with the cameras and being on TV and things like that. But I also think working for companies like PCW Ultra, or like Defy, 
Florida, because he's uh, especially since he's been the ultras in my home for almost four years. We look like a big, big promotion, this big, you know, event where like a thousand people, a lot of life, a lot of like moving parts. You know, kind of being a part of that. You don't get lost in how you know, you go to MLW, it's a bigger thing, you know, because of lights and TV, and, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, pre and things like that. I think that has uh, allowed me to be more comfortable uh, in that kind of new environment. I uh, ran across something called, I don't know what promotion this was, I don't even know the background, but it was called Douglas James versus Backyard Wrestlers, Backyard Tribute. Oh <laughs> what oh happened boy. there? What was going on there? Oh, oh boy. All right, actually, not many people really know, like, the full story, you know? That's um, why I was interested. <laughs> so here we go. So I guess, yeah, so it kind of went, like, viral or whatever, like, three and a half years ago, a little bit. And then it came, it came back a couple months ago, and then a little bit recently I reposted it, and it got, like, a lot of positive and negative feedback. Well, basically, the story is, I was basically booked for a other year in wrestling, barely a year in, maybe not even, and I was booked to do, like, a Royal Rumble. So the owner had told me that, you know, Rumble before, and I was going to be winning this Royal Rumble, whatever. And then I get to the show, change of plans, somebody else is going to win, and I was going to, like, be laughing eliminated. So, whatever. The show's supposed to start at 8. Things started a little bit later. Everyone was going long. I think it was like, becoming like almost like 10.30 and there wasn't even the intermission yet. And I'm really like in East LA in this like really shitty warehouse, you know, like not in a good area. And it's like getting late. And one of the games on the show, like still be a style on the show, you know, getting the limelight. There were like two people on the show. Yeah, just so like, I didn't really, I got this idea because I was supposed to come out like 26th out of 30. And I was like, why don't I come out of five number one? And I laughed to the end because then I knew it was like Paul Babyface thing. But the mother liked it, but uh, there was only backyarders in the beginning of the rumble. I said, it's fine, it'll, it'll all work out. And then, whatever, so the, the world rumble starts, I didn't think anything of it. I just knew it was like, I just went in there thinking it was going to all work out. And I would just slowly eliminate these guys because they don't belong there. First thing I did was I dropped into one of them. No different than anybody else, but he never bumped before. So when he bumped on the mat, he broke his rib. Oh, jeez. So I, when I went to pick him up, he like was like, like you know, like, and I saw like, you see kind of like the, the funny music that you like, kind of like, you throw somebody over and his hand keeps hurt. And then right when he was hurt, that kind of ruined everything because the idea was I was going to kind of like take a back seat to let them kind of do their thing. And then now like, you know, the veterans in the back are like, what could he with hurt and tell me like, Go after them, you know? Right. Uh, not a bad way. Right? I'm not like, I, if I wanted to hurt them, I would really hurt them. You oh, know? right. I'm just trying to like, it was no more different than I got at wrestling training. You know, we used to get beat down for weeks, you know? Like, it's just what it is. And I, I just like kicked them a little harder than they should because they weren't doing, they didn't know what they were doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it is. And it was just like, I was just throwing shoot drops all of a sudden and it just <laughs> became like this thing and, they didn't belong up there. It was silly. I would never be in a situation again. But I would do that again because the other day, like, you have to just know, like, uh, you know, now everyone can get popular through viral videos, and that's all well until I understand how it works. But, like, you know, I paid a lot of money to train a wrestler. I got, oh, I, you know, some money getting in shape to be a wrestler, you know, and it's a lot of time, and I hate even the word it, but sacrifice and I sacrifice a lot of other things to do this and there's nobody's choice but my own but if you're going to come into this like there should be some kind of respect to it. Oh absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of what would happen and it was like it was very much like not planned in advance just, just the one that ends up happening. And, yeah you know, I, I should tell you like I'm a, I'm a huge fan like, I'm, I'm 43 years old I've been a fan of wrestling since I was okay. four and we've interviewed like Al oh, Snow oh, and we yeah, talk yeah. about people at wrestling schools. So when I saw that, my perspective was, I just felt bad for you. Like, clearly these guys didn't really know what they were doing. So I'm like, <laughs> I never thought you wanted to hurt them or anything. I just thought like, how did he get stuck in this poor situation? That's why I wanted to ask you, so. <laughs> yeah, but I basically put myself in a situation thinking it would like, one of those, like, you know when you're like really optimistic about something and you're like, it'll go, it'll go great. It'll be fine. It was like that, sorry. It was like that and then immediately it was like, oh no. It's not going to work, you know? Right. Telling, but, uh, that's the situation. But, so I still kind of deal with a little bit like a slack from that. It's like, I'm not a bad person. I just just defend in the business. I wanted to take the interview in a little bit of a different direction because I read an article oh. where I heard you talk about getting sober and what it did for your life as well as yeah. the book Zen and the Art of Happiness. 
So I was hoping you could tell us about the process to getting sober and then why that book was important to you. Because I haven't read it, but just based on what I saw in the article, I got to check it out. But tell us about it. Yeah. Um, I guess like a little bit of the rundown was, so, you know, I was in a relationship, I was engaged and I was wrestling and I I wasn't really happy. You know, I kind of, I started wrestling like in shape and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of like, all of a sudden I started to, you know, use alcohol and weed as a way to like, cope with my feelings. It wasn't what happened at the time. I was doing it just like cope. And it started to come out of control and basically got to a point where I realized like if I kept doing this, I'm not gonna live the life I want up And I'm I'm really a pretty positive person, you know, we all have our things. I like to laugh and joke at the time and I, I realized I wasn't who I like I wasn't me. I wasn't positive, I wasn't really motivated and I knew that it had to do with me, you know, it wasn't like other people's fault. It was my, I had to figure it out. And I remember I was doing like a steel cage match in San Diego. And I was driving out of the show and I realized I needed to like figure my life out like immediately. And I called my parents and they live in New Jersey. And basically it was like, I think when you have a problem, the hardest thing to do is admit you have a problem. And I, I admitted that I needed some milk, you know. And basically what I did was I just try to like, get out of myself because a lot of times, no matter what, what your problem is, whether it's like spending too much money or being in a relationship, or what, I don't know, whatever, or eating too much, I don't know, like we all have reasons for a lot of these things. So, just trying to figure out myself, and yeah, so like I, I, I read this book, and it was like a, almost like a, a bathroom read, you know, like a hundred and some pages. And it's a little bit of an extreme side to of, of being positive. But basically like, you know, a lot of, what life is is your reactions to action. You know, something, something can happen and you can be negative about it and usually a lot of times negative reactions cause negative feelings which cause negative results, you know? And the same thing with positive. If you react positively to something, like a better positive thing might happen and you get positive results. And it's kind of like a story of that. It's like different tales of like reacting positively and what that can lead to kind of being negative, you know? And sure, there are definitely times you can be negative it's hard and like you know, these times right now, everything shut down, and, uh, yeah, to me, I just delve into myself, and really fixed my life, in a way, you know, and then, like, it was a couple months after I got sober, I dislocated my hip, and it was crazy, and I, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, blink or anything, and I got through it, I came back in, like, two months, and it, it, like, reconfirmed to me, like, the power of positivity, you know, I got very lucky in the injury that it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but I think for me, yeah, staying positive is just like the proof is in the pudding, you know? Like, sure, there's definitely ups and downs and the lower coast of the but as long as you kind of uh, stay on the up and up kind of thing, it's good for the daily check-in, you know, not, not perfect. As long as I'm honest with myself, I'm there. A couple more questions. Basically, your experience in MLW. Uh, MLW is great. So for me, it was like a you know, big goal of mine to be able to be there. I try, you know, and then... Being able to be tied with them, feeling like a dream come true, you know. Professional wrestler on national TV, international TV. It's a great experience, you know. Uh, everyone's really great. It's a great team. I, and I really love the product. And I think for somebody like myself that comes from like an MMA background, you know, legitimate grappling background, it's the perfect place for people like, you know, Loki, Baby Boy Smith Jr., Simon Gosh, you know, different people like that. Yeah, Dominic Rini, you know, Thatcher was there, Tom Lawler. It's just, I don't know, it's almost like the perfect place for me. And I'm just looking forward to the future of a lot of things happening. And MLW, things that are constantly growing. And I don't know what necessarily I've learned. I'm learning about myself and how I need to, you know, continuously uh, get better. I mean, my goal at MLW is I want to be, like, the face of the company. I want to be the Indian face of the company and take it to the right. Normally we'll ask you if you have anything you want to promote. Obviously, we don't know what's going on right in the world right now as far as upcoming shows. Yeah. Really crazy right now, but honestly, like if you could, you know, on social media, uh, follow me uh, at Douglas James Pro on Twitter uh, and Douglas James Pro on Instagram, and then uh, you know, just I don't know, find the high spots and different kind of streams and different YouTube channels and wrestling and just support everybody you can. And uh, I know money's tight for everybody, so you don't gotta buy my merch, but just just try to you know keep wrestling alive and bring up big audience. Do you have a pro wrestling tease store that people could visit if they want? I don't, but I have a store. It's called uh, DouglasJames.com. 
store envy uh, store envy com, and it has like uh, over ten shirts on there, like coffee mugs and hoodies and stuff like that. Um, right, yeah, April 18th got canceled, so uh, hopefully they're on in May, and it's just, you know, it's a crazy time, but I think, you know, we're all in it together, you know, yeah, we're, right. all yeah. we're all dealing with this, you know, not like one person, so. <laughs> awesome. Excellent, thank Excellent. you very much. All right, guys, have a good one. Take you care. as well, man, thank you. You too. All right, get it. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 